He is risen. I can only imagine all of you responding right now. He is risen indeed. I know this is not the way that we, any of us, really want to be celebrating Easter. But it's kind of like, I guess, the Grinch who tried to steal Christmas. There's just no stopping it. Uh, Easter is upon us. It is Resurrection Day. And on Resurrection Day, I want to talk about being fearless. And so this morning, we are in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. If you will read with me the Word of God. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and then to deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to a lifelong slavery. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that is living and true. Father, we thank you for the chance to gather, even while we are apart, to sit at your feet and to learn of you. And we ask, Father, that you would open the truths that are captured in these verses for us, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the power of the resurrection of Jesus, to set us free from fear and to live with confidence before you all the days of our lives. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Resurrection Day. It is always a happy day. It is good to celebrate it with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. I know it's probably raining right now. At least that's what the forecast says. But that's still a beautiful spring day and a beautiful Resurrection Day. I love Easter. And I love that it happens in the springtime. That it happens in that season when winter is ending, and the world is turning green with life. The world is coming alive again. Easter is resurrection day. It's a day just like that when Jesus conquered death and rose again to new life, and new life rises. And so the spring and Easter go together, hand in glove. And this is exactly what we're celebrating. The resurrection from death. The resurrection of a dead man. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And this is epic. It's perhaps the greatest issue that human beings wrestle with. Other than the fear of public speaking, it's going to have to be the fear of death. Right? It is what happens after death and is there life after death? And the question is particularly relevant in the time of COVID, because death is big news right now. It's in front of us all the time. We see it running as I'm watching the news. You know, there's the people who are talking and delivering the news, and then often on the right-hand side, there's a, there's a panel, <clears throat> and it's a running death toll, and it gives you the death toll in the world, and the death toll in the United States, and the death toll in New York, and then sometimes it'll go state by state, the death toll in every state in the country. Even as today we are worshiping together, on this Easter weekend, they're telling us that this weekend may be America's deadliest, that this is the weekend where the disease in America uh, peaks, and we feel the worst of it. 
The reality of death is just constantly in our face these days. And I think that's why there's that level of anxiety, that level of fear that goes on. It's just this constant presence creating for us an atmosphere of panic and fear. Because generally speaking, no one wants to die. I know that people can get to that place, but generally speaking, healthy people don't want to die. They don't want to stop living, and they don't want their loved ones to stop living. They, we crave life. <clears throat> Woody Allen puts it this way. He says, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. I want to live. All right? I, I don't want to live in people's memories. I, I, I want to live in your photo album. No, I, I want to live. I want to go on living. I don't want to die. And so in the midst of a pandemic, Easter should be a welcome celebration of life. It's a celebration of someone who conquered death. God puts his finger on it right here in this text. And he says what everyone is feeling, what many of us are feeling, it's that fear of this virus, which is nothing less than a fear of death. And so in verse 15, he tells us this is why Jesus came. Right in verse 15, he says that Jesus came, in verse 14, since the children had flesh, Jesus bore, shared their flesh. In verse 15, he says, to deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to its slavery. To fear all of those who have been subject to the fear of death. It's a kind of slavery. That niggling fear that, that affects the way that we experience life. And it creates a kind of slavery. See, most of us avoid thinking about death. We try to ignore it. Uh, we don't want to necessarily talk about it. We entertain ourselves and, and keep busy. And one of the things that we don't necessarily want to talk about or face is death. <clears throat> we don't want to look it in the face. To talk about it is morbid. You know, a number of years ago, I created what I finally called my death file. And I gave it to my children, uh, and in the file, it basically had everything that my children needed to know if Lynn and I died. And my children found it morbid. They're like, stop it. You know, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to face that possibility, that reality, ultimately, for all of us. But our present 24-hour news cycle will not let us forget. It will not let us look away. Every time we want to know what's going on in the world, it's a death toll. And so there's this niggling fear in so many hearts. You can feel it in the atmosphere of the country and in the atmosphere of the world. This ever-present threat of death that I can, I can bring home with my groceries, that I can bring it in with the mail, I can breathe it in with the very air that I breathe. This constant threat of death. The irony is that what a person believes about death, about life after death, will very much determine 
the way that they live their lives. Because what if there is no life after death? What, what if this life is all that there is? What if <clears throat> there's nothing more? What if all the happiness that you will ever know is the happiness that you can uh, create and experience right now, that you can gather and, and, and suck out of life right now, and, and this is it. Whatever you, can, whatever you can get right now, that's all there is. And so you want to grab all you can while you can. You're going to want to eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you die, and then nothing. If our only hope in life is to avoid death, and to suck all that we can out of life, then we will fear death. Because we're trying to have life in the moment that we can have it. And so death hangs over our head. But what if this life is not the end? What if there is a heaven and a hell? What if there is something beyond death? Do you see how that can change everything? It changes our whole understanding of life and how we live it. It's a game changer in terms of what we think life is about and how we will live it. And then instead of this life being everything and having to suck everything out of it, instead of this life being everything, it is, it is just a blip on the screen. It becomes a very small thing, a short prelude to so much more. What if the hope of an enduring life was planted in our hearts by the very one who gave us life? What if it's meant to be there, this craving for life, this clinging to life, this desire to live? What if it's there because God gave us life and gave us the hope of a life? What if we crave a life beyond death because there is one? Because it does exist and life does go on. And what if you and I were literally made for it? And in the transition between this world and eternity, we come face to face with our Creator and our Judge. And we come to a moment of accountability. See, if it's true, then life is not about grabbing all that we can. If it's true that there is a life after death, and if it's true that we will face our Creator, then life is not about grabbing all that we can. In fact, that could be a big mistake, sinking all your eggs into that basket. But now preparation for our, for our meeting with the one who made us, a, a preparation for meeting our, our God and our Creator face to face becomes the focus of life. We live in the knowledge of that day. We live in preparation for that day, the day that we will stand before Him. And God wants us to look ahead to that moment. He wants us to see that day coming and not be afraid of it, to not be afraid of Him. 
He wants us to be fearless. And it is Easter that gives us that hope. It is Easter that gives us the ability to look forward to that day without fear. Because Jesus conquered death. Easter is resurrection day. It's the day that Jesus conquered death and rose again into a new and eternal life. Rose again on the other side of death. And he does it to set us free, at least in one sense, as this passage tells us, that he does it to deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to that slavery, the slavery that comes. And he wants to set us free from fear and he offers us a life of confidence and a life of hope and a life of joy. A fearlessness, a fierce fearlessness, even in the midst of a pandemic. In fact, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's really in the midst of anything. Whatever your struggle is, whatever it is you face, and this moment in your life beyond the pandemic, in any moment of your life, whatever we face or whatever we fear, he wants to give us a fearlessness in the face of it. And so I want us to notice how God does it. He tells us in this text how he addresses our deepest fears. The fear of the unknown of death. And he does it, there are three things in the text. It says that he shares our humanity and that he conquers death. And that he rises again to deliver us from its power. He shares our humanity and in our humanity he conquers death and in conquering death he rises again to deliver us from the power and the fear of death. And so he shares our humanity. We see it in verse 14. He says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise, he himself likewise partook of the same things, the flesh and the blood. He shares our humanity. See, death is a human problem. It was our problem. It was not his problem. He is life and the giver of all life. And, and, and death is a human problem. And because it's a human problem, God shared our humanity. We are flesh and blood, so he became flesh and blood with us and among us. He shares our humanity. God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. And it's a prelude to Easter. right? That he shared our humanity with us. The Son of God was born as a Son of Man. He became human. God became a man. And this we celebrate at Christmas. He became flesh and blood. But he did it so that he could bleed and die. He became flesh and blood so that he could bleed and die. And he shared our humanity so that he could Share our death. And he does this in verse 14. He tells us he does this so he can conquer death. He doesn't just want to share the experience. And nobody wants to experience death. He experiences it though graciously, condescendingly, purposefully so that he can conquer it. 14 goes on to say not only since the children have flesh and blood and he likewise partook of the same things so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. He does it so that through death 
He might destroy the one who holds power over it. Through death means Jesus had to die. Through death means that the victory had to be an inside job. God's judgment is on our sin. God's judgment is against our sin and rebellion. And God's judgment against our sin and rebellion is hell. It is death and hell. And Jesus, we're told, came to bear on the cross. And this is Good Friday. A couple of days ago, we're told that Jesus came to bear the penalty, the full penalty of our sin in his own body on the cross. To die the death that we deserve to die. And by bearing sin's penalty, by bearing it fully in himself, not only in a physical death, but in an eternal death, bearing the wrath of God for us. By bearing sin's penalty, Jesus destroys its power over us. He bore it in our place and removes us out from under it. He had to go through death in order to break death's power. John Piper puts it this way. He says the keys of death were hung on the inside of Christ's tomb. If any were to be raised from the dead, never to die again, Christ would have to die for them, enter that tomb to take the keys and unlock the door of death. From the inside. It's an inside job. The, the Son of God suffers death to destroy it from the inside, to open the door for the rest of us that we may follow in His train. And so He shares our humanity so that He can conquer death. And he does it by rising from the dead in order to deliver us from its power. Right? And that's where verse 15, he goes on to deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to this lifelong slavery. And this deliverance comes through the resurrection. So that being free from the power of death and out from under it on the other side, we're free from its fear. See, Jesus had to go through death to rise on the other side, to break through to the other side of death. He took the keys and unlocked the door from the inside. See, we have to understand that when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, we're talking about a life after death, a life on the other side of death. Not a return to this life, like Lazarus was raised to life, but he was raised to this life, and he finished out this life, and he died again. But the life that we are talking about, it's not a, a near-death experience. It's not a revival to this life. Jesus rose never to die again. Jesus rose on the other side of death, a life after death, a life beyond this life, what the Bible calls an eternal life, a life that is with God and has no end. Now, I know that some listening this morning, you may not be sure of what you think about these things. You may not have heard Easter explained like this before or understood it. I have to say, for many years, I had only the vaguest ideas of what Easter was about. 
I knew that it was about Jesus rising from the dead. But I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why he did it. I didn't know how it affected me and how it changed my life in any way. It was always a happy time of year, but always in a very vague way. But my friends, this is the very heart of the Christian faith. The resurrection is the Christian hope. First in the resurrection of Christ. In the one who went before us. Bearing the penalty of our sin. And breaking the power of its judgment in death and hell. And rising on the other side. The, the Christian hope is the resurrection. First of Christ from the dead. But then for our own. That we get to share in it with him through faith. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4, it says this, that I, Paul, delivered to you the church as of first importance. In other words, as the core of the Christian faith. As at the core of the important doctrines or historical events that affect us and that we need to understand. I've delivered to you as of first importance what I received, which is this. Christ died for our sins. In accordance with the scripture, he died on the cross to bear the penalty of our sins so that we could be forgiven. That he was buried. That he suffered death in a real way. Death and hell on our behalf. But that he also was raised on the third day. That he conquered death. And that he lives. He lives eternally. He has an eternal life. And he offers it to us. My friends, we were created for this life with God. It's why our hearts crave life. It's why we fear death. It's why we're afraid that it's coming home with us on our groceries or in our mailbox when we go to get it. We're, we live in this fear because we were created for life. But we'll only be fear, free from the fear of it when we understand that this life is not all there is. All our eggs are not in this basket if our faith and our trust is in Christ. Because the, the life that we lost through our sin and rebellion has been restored to us by Jesus' death and His resurrection. And so by the end of 1 Corinthians 15, I just read some of the first verses. By the end of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He could look death in the face and not be afraid to face it, not be afraid of it, but he could actually, in a sense, taunt it. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? The power of death is broken because Christ has risen. Easter, my friends, is the celebration of the death of death in the death of Christ and in his resurrection from the dead. Because death could not hold our Lord Jesus, we believe that death will not be able to hold us. And that is the core of the Christian faith. And that is the good news of the gospel. Sometimes, my friends, it takes a ravaging disease to remind us of something that is always true. That life is short and that life is fragile and that life is precious. 
And when we feel like we might lose it, we sense its preciousness. And when it seems all around us in the very air that we breathe, it feels fragile. And the knowledge that it can be cut off at any moment in such a real threat helps us to know that it's short. It reminds us, but my friends, these things are always true. Life is always short and fragile and precious. James 4, James says in verse 14, 414, he says, what is your life? And my friends, that is always the question. What is your life? What is it all about? What is it for? Is this it? What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. Life is short, and life is fragile, and life is precious. And these things, though, they're always true. And if we were paying attention to the sober reality, these sober realities, that question would niggle at our minds, what is life? What is the point of it? My friends, we are not ready to live until we are ready to die. Until we are unafraid to die. Because when we are unafraid to die, we are free from that slavery of fear. And we are free to live for the first time in one sense. See, what a person believes about life after death will determine the kind of life that we live now. Because fear is a thief and a destroyer and it steals our joy and it can paralyze us and it can leave us empty and alone feeling fragile and afraid. And it shows itself in the panic and the hoarding and the fear that we taste in the very atmosphere around us these days. But my friend, when even death is not fearful, it's not something that we must be afraid of. When even death can be faced with confidence, there is a freedom that comes to us, that is hard to explain. The experience of the power of peace where we can enjoy the moment no matter what tomorrow holds. We can live confidently and fearlessly before God, looking forward to the day that we meet Him and, and living, not, living not to avoid dying, but living To please the God who made us and who saves us and who offers us a life that is eternal. So living not to avoid death, but living to please God. Living in generous, gracious life toward others. My friends, Easter is an invitation to faith. It's an invitation to believe, an invitation to hope in the resurrection. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Paul says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other other words, if we confess that Jesus is who he said he is, that he was the Son of God who became the Son of Man, that he might bear our sin in his own body, and that he might suffer our death so that he could conquer it on our behalf. If you believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he did for you, Confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and your Savior. 
And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, to believe that he, that he was raised, and in being raised, he says, then you will be saved. That you will be delivered from judgment and death and hell. That you will be delivered in the hope of life. Jesus said in John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. What a promise. His resurrection is my resurrection. That his life is my life. It was Jesus who said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. I am in his person. Jesus, the Son of the living God who rose again from the dead. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life, the source of life for those who hunger for it, who crave it, who, who don't want to die, who don't want to stop being or stop living. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And whoever then will believe in me, put their faith and their hope and their trust in me, though he die. Yet shall he or she live. My friends, if Easter is true, then the light of eternity, the light of an everlasting and eternal life, sheds its brilliance across everything. Life is changed. If there is a light of eternity to shine on this brief moment in time, then this brief moment in time is transformed in the light of that eternity, transformed in the light of life and hope and resurrection, and so we can live in the hope of life, knowing that for those whose trust and faith is in Christ, death cannot hold us. Death will not be an end of us. That death will be a transition into a new kind of life that is everlasting. And because he lives, we too live. And we live now. And this, the, the light of eternity shining on life, our life now sets us free to live, not for ourselves, not trying to grasp and suck everything we can out of life for ourselves, for our own enjoyment, our own pleasure. But rather, it sets us free from that kind of hedonism. It sets us free to live, to live for Christ, to live for the God who made us, to live in light of the eternity that we have with him and who he is and who he has made us to be. And life has a whole new meaning. Paul says it this way. I close with these couple verses. Paul says it this way in, in Philippians chapter 121. For me to live is Christ. And to die, for me to die, is gain. Right? It changes everything. For me to live is Christ. Death holds no fear over me. The grave has lost its sting. For me to live is to live for Christ, to know Him and to love Him and to walk with Him. And to look forward to the day that I will see Him face to face and be with Him. For me to live is to belong to Him and to die is gain. In other words, the best is yet to come. And it's not just more life. It's a better life. Revelations 21.4 says it this way, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. 
every pain and every sorrow, every hurt that you have suffered, the loss that we have experienced. He says the life that is to come is an eternal life. And he says, I'll wipe away every one of those tears from your eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be any mourning. There will be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. All these former things will have passed away. It's not only more life. It is a better life. It is an everlasting life. And if dying is gain, then to live is Christ. And it's filled with significance. And it's filled with beauty. And it's filled with hope. It's filled with possibility. And so I ask you, my friends, will you embrace the Lord Jesus this morning? Will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And by confessing and believing, will you claim that life that is everlasting? Because if you will, then to live is Christ. It is to live for him. It is to live with him. It is to live to him. It is to know that when we die, It is simply a sweeter and closer life with Christ. To live is Christ and to die is more life with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, to the glory of Christ. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that though our sin and rebellion brought the curse of death and the curse of hell, That you did not leave us here lost. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Who though he was rich became poor for us. Shared in our humanity. Came among us. Lived the life that we failed to live. And died the death that we deserved to die. So that he could conquer death on our behalf. And open a doorway into everlasting life. Oh, Father, help us to cling to Christ as the resurrection and as the life that we crave, that we might know Him and love Him and walk with Him all the days of this life, that on the day that we die, we may stand in His presence unafraid and in fact sharing in His everlasting life. Oh, these things we ask and pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.